Blog Talk Radio. We have a special guest today. We're very excited to have her here. She's here to talk about her new book. Our special guest was raised in Cambridge, Massachusetts, a short hike from Harvard Square. She loved to read, write, and act out stories with the stuffed animals. How great is that? I chat with her brother, Charlie, her dad, um, buzz the corner of the ceiling, rocking a house. Mom would be out marching for some left-wing cause. Let's welcome to our show our special guest, Janice C. Smith. Hello. Uh, thank you for having me, Hollis. And happy very- first pomegranate day to you. <laughs> oh, very good. Didn't know that, but thank you very much. I like pomegranate. I do. Ah, uh, what a wonderful, wonderful little surprise there. Okay, so please tell us a bit more about yourself and your new book. Well, I, I live in Northern California. I have for 36 years. I'm retired from being an environmental compliance specialist mm. where I prepare environmental documents and environmental permitting applications for uh, construction projects. Uh, first in a city, Eureka, on the coast of California, in the north coast. And then I moved inland to the mountains and started doing the same job for a public works agency in a small rural county. Uh, I've been married for 36 years, and after I retired, I, I started writing Looking Up Invasion. That's outstanding. Well, congratulations on a great career. Congratulations for retirement. It's a great thing. And your book now, Look Up the Invasion. Now, was that something you were planning for a long time and you felt you were going to lock it out in retirement? Or you just, you know, in retirement, it's like, okay, I got a lot of time in my hands. Let me start writing. How did it all come about? Well, I always was interested in writing uh, since I was a kid. I took lots of classes, but, you know, life got in the way most of the time. And when I retired... Actually, I wasn't even thinking about writing, even though I'd always wanted to. I was into gardening at that time. But I was out in my garden, and I started hearing voices. And there were two boys talking in my head, and one was an alien, and he was saying some pretty interesting things. So I started writing them down. Before I knew it, more and more scenes came, and and I really can't tell you where it came from. I wish I could, but it was pouring out of me, or through me, rather, and uh, kind of applauded it by the seat of my pants and went with it. It was one of the most exhilarating experiences of my life. Mm. That's how I was saying. You know, uh, reading your bio and stuff, I know you were orphaned at 14. Both parents passed away, and I'm sorry for your loss. Has that impacted your writing? Uh, has it impacted your, your life in general to put it down to book? Oh, uh, well, yes. It was mostly 
in the aftermath after that happened. As you noted, I was raised by very liberal parents in Cambridge, Massachusetts. It was right near Harvard University, and uh, it was the 60s. So uh, my mom was always out marching for causes, left-wing causes, and my dad was dabbling in in different religions and philosophies. So it was very open-minded and very liberal. But when they passed away, I had to go down to Florida and live with my aunt and uncle who were, he was retired military, and they were very conservative, um, evangelical, and kind of almost the opposite of the way I'd been raised. And they were kind enough, but I always felt like a guest, and Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I was in a position to argue or question with their beliefs or their politics as a teenage girl would do normally. So I had to learn to accept their belief system, although I had no intention of ever agreeing with it, and to love them anyway. And that's the theme that I'm trying to bring forth in my book, is to imagine where other people are coming from and and learn to accept them even if they differ from us. You know, that's part of the great story of your upbringing and and what you have to go through. Is there, can you share with us a specific plot twist or scenes that Rick took you're proud of from your book? Scenes I'm proud of? Yeah. Well, there's a chapter called No Other Wear that really emphasizes the theme of how these people have no other wear, and it's a very difficult concept, um, but um, I had to pull it all into one chapter um, almost halfway through the book and explain there's some really darling ways that they uh, explain that that system to us and what it's like to live in a world where there's no other races, no other places, no relig- other religion, no new ideas coming in, no new materials coming in trade. It's just completely isolated. And what that does to their psychology is astounding. You know, your book um, and your characters, why present characters with facial deformities? Why was that a big part of what you were writing and what you put together in your book? Well, they fit right into the theme of empathizing for people who look different. Mm. And it also substantiates one of the reasons why the farmer, these alien people, the green-skinned alien people from a tiny primitive world, accidentally open a dimensional portal and end up on a pomegranate farm in California. And uh, one of the ways the farmer justifies hiring them and letting them live in the workers' quarters is uh, the fact that his family, not him personally, but his family, every generation has carried this deformity where their left eye, the eye socket is mislocated up and, and makes the eye point up and to the left. It's not just a cocked eye, it's a whole misaligned eye socket. And one person in every generation has this deformity, and it's kind of given them some empathy as to, you know, how we treat people that look different and don't judge somebody just because they look different. So that's one reason that the farmer accepts these green people that came out of nowhere. There are other reasons, too. But... um it's it's really an underrepresented 
minority, if you think about it, I mean, how many people with facial deformities do you see in the movies or commercials or reporting the news? It's an un a marginalized community, and in these days we are trying to, to bring marginalized communities to the fore, and this one is very underrepresented. So I'd like to try to attempt to show how these people might feel, even though I don't really have any experience of it myself. Very well, very well said. Uh, you know, I look at your cover, look at your title. Please tell us about it. I love the cover of the book, and I love the title. So how did that title come about, and who put, did you do the um, the cover, and how did the cover come about? So kind of paint that picture of your title and your cover of your book. Well, the cover, well, the title first is Looking Up Invasion. Looking Up, is it refers, for one thing, it refers to their cocked-up eye, and for another thing, that's why they named their ranch, their pomegranate farm, the Looking Up Farm. And it also feeds into their philosophy of empathy. And as the farmer, Elmer, puts it, it's when you get your head out of wherever you like to tuck it and look around at the people around you and feel them. And how are they doing? How do they feel? So it's been a philosophy of his family uh, for generations, ever since they were rescued from the Hoover towns in the Dust Bowl where they were migrant farm workers themselves and one man went there and found the most wretched family he could find with the deformed faces and the dirty kids and, and brought them home and they worked really hard and developed a farm for them and he gave it to them. So that's the looking up philosophy and it's been that way. That's one of the other major reasons he accepted these green people from nowhere. But um and the invasion aspect is kind of tongue-in-cheek. These are, it's a small family of defenseless green people, and there are also predators involved who have followed them through this portal, but they don't know it right away. And those are depicted on the cover. But the invasion is entirely unintentional. It's not another people from another develop, highly developed society coming to take us over. It's just a bunch of poor people that showed up by accident, and they're ignorant and penniless and powerless. But uh, at the end, it's like the question is who's invading whom because of the impact we've made on their culture if and when they ever go back home where our, just our new ideas are going to invade their culture like a disease. <laughs> so I put yep. those two concepts together, but the cover... I, I asked for this design. I had an artist do it, but I did ask for essentially the elements of it. He added a lot of creativity, like the pomegranate face. But um, those are the nimbly, it's the nimbly and the bumbly. There's a dragonfly with a long proboscis that injects paralytic poison, and they come during the day, and they drink all your blood and paralyze you. And the uh, bumbly is a big giant bat with a horn on his nose and sharp claws that just rip you to shreds and eat you. And these occur every first pomegranate day every three years and attack the green people. And they're wiping out their population. Um, and then the pomegranate, because they both grow pomegranates at home and, and they've landed on a pomegranate ranch and he's being attacked by these monsters. And the red moon in the background represents the eclipse they have a moon-based religion, and they're terrified by eclipses, 
They think that means that the gods are angry at them. That's wonderful. You know, we can really tell the passion you have in this genre. And I really shine soon in your, in your audio right now and posting your writing. Can you tell us a little bit about your writing process? What, you know, kind of share some of that some tips for other new authors and, and people who are trying to have the passion to put things down on paper to get what you got. Um, so let's kind of share some tips if you could about your, your writing process. Well, it's like I say, it's kind of not fair because it came to me wow. out of the blue, and I just kept writing, and I was actually, after I, when I got into it and I was uninterrupted, the characters were telling us, me the story. They were just doing things and then saying things, and I'm writing them down as fast as I can, and they would actually carry me into the next scene. Um I didn't plot it out ahead of time. I'm what I what they call a pantser, like Stephen King. And um but it just came to me and then once in a while there'd be a plot hole I had to work on, especially later on when I got the whole first draft and then there were things I went back and had to, to figure out a lot of plot holes. But those were fun too. They I'd just pace around in circles for a while and the solution seemed like it would just fall out of the sky and fit into place like a puzzle piece, and it would fit perfectly, and, and it resonated with all the plot lines and all the themes and making them just ring throughout. And after after I finished the first draft, and it was long, it was like 900 pages or something, because I didn't know how to jump from one scene to the other. I just kind of kept reporting every moment of every day at first, and I had to cut out that and learn how to do that. But... I read Stephen King's On Writing, and he said to rewrite and hit your themes. And the word rewrite terrified me, but um, he really meant a heavy edit. And I went through it and hit my themes, and that's when I developed that chapter of the otherware, of the no otherware, that I brought out. And that really just pulled the whole thing together. It was wonderful how it, it all just tightened all the, the threads so that it, was just like a suspension bridge to get tighter and tighter until it's just resonant and rings and it's tight and it, uh, it's just beautiful feeling of that. Hey, Janice, I know you're an old school writer. I know you, you know, it, things come to you naturally. It comes into you, so you put it on paper. Have you thought about or have you even looked into the AI, artificial intelligence, the writing, some of that? I use it myself, I'll be honest with you. It's stuff that some authors don't want to use it. Some authors use it to help them create certain things. Maybe cut down the chapters like you they go through. What's your thoughts on the AI, or have you even thought about it at all? Well, I've thought about it a lot. Um, I have used it for tuning up blurbs and advertising copy, but for my book itself, I wrote most of it before this really became such a thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it would take all the fun out of it for me. I mean, the part it does is the fun part. It's like you lay out a scene and it, it'll write it for you and, and, you know, make a lot of suggestions, but that's the best part. <laughs> so I don't really care to do that when, you know, I'd rather write it myself. Besides now, there's a lot going on legalistically with, with all that. Amazon is making you disclose uh, AI content now, and that's a new thing. Um, there's lawsuits going on with the Authors Guild against some of the AI companies. Uh, it's very controversial right now, and 
and possibly in flux. I'm sure it, it'll survive and it'll be there into the future. Um, and it is a great tool. Uh, there's AI in my cover, AI art, and it might be hypocritical of me, but I, I do like the way the AI, where you can actually describe an image and it will actually generate it for you. That's really awesome to me. Yeah. And in minutes, too. And um, But I know the artists have feel the same way as the writers do about it. Some of them like it because they use it as a tool, but others are having their stuff scraped to make the new stuff, so it's it's a tumultuous thing. I've been able to write without it, and I use some of the suggestions it comes up with from my copy advertising stuff, but um, yeah, I'm going to keep writing myself for now. Beautiful. Well said. I love that. Okay, before we continue, please tell us, Dennis, where do we go after the show to learn more about you and to get your wonderful book? Where do we go? Well, it's available anywhere that um, you get your online books. It's in paperback and hard copy. I mean, paperback and uh, ebook. Yep. It's uh, available at, in paperback at Barnes & Noble and Amazon online. It's not in bookstores. Uh, ebooks are available uh, many, many places where ebooks are sold, almost everywhere ebooks are sold. Um, you can go to my website. At lookandup, L-O-O-K-N-U-P dot U-S, and you'll find a link there that links to all the stores where it's available. Or you can simply go on Amazon or your favorite bookstore and uh, and go directly to get it. Outstanding. You know, your book, it, it, you mentioned this earlier a little bit, but don't you talk a bit more about this, but the book is filled with current issues including racism, immigration, women's rights, and religious freedoms. Very hot topics today. Can you talk a little bit more about that and, and, and why it's so important for you to express that? Because it's just something that we just, in our country, just we're not doing well at it. Go ahead and talk about that. Well, to me, that's the whole point of writing, um, I, to influence thought in, in a gentle way, in a fun way, where you can actually make people think without preaching at them. Uh, anyway, with this plot, it, it came up naturally. Uh, these aliens were the ruling family of a caste system in a tiny world, and now they're undocumented alien farm workers with green skin. So you got immigration and racism right there. Um, their women are called tethers. They serve the needs of their assigned man and his children, only, and that's all they live for, and then I juxtapose them with the farmer's sister-in-law, who's a feminist workaholic engineer, and um, she doesn't like their lifestyle, especially when her deformed daughter falls for the green kid, and um, religious freedom is is a very hot issue in here, because in a world such as theirs, where there's no opposing ideas, no other religion but this moon-based ideology taught by the, the holy Akash, and he's stuck on Earth now, and and they believe that he is just like an emperor. He's the absolute authority on everything, and they don't question it. They don't question the religion. They don't question his authority, and uh, it's a total theocracy. So now they're exposed to our culture, and people 
on the farm who aren't particularly religious. In fact, there's science obsessed, especially the 12-year-old boy who makes friends with the 12-year-old kid from the other planet. And he introduces them to science and technology, which is forbidden to even think about on, on their alien world. And, of course, the boy starts questioning the religion that he's been groomed to preach all his life. And um, all their beliefs are challenged, all their lifestyles are challenged. I put these, this primitive family next to this modern Earth family, and um, they explore each other's cultures and discover why they are that way and, you know, accept their differences. You know, again, that's a brilliant way to engage with this in the current issues, because normally I don't talk about religion and politics for obvious reasons. It's just too heated, too this and that, so I never really talk about it. But the way you present it, it's engaging. The way we can talk about it and not be so, you know, one-sided and so puffed up and so angry about it right now. So great job to you for that. It really is. Uh, I want you to think about this a little bit. What's the future for Janice? I know you out here, you're making that marketing trail now. You're making this book work. You get the word about this book. Is there more books and work for Janice? Is there more things you've got going on that you want to share with us? Well, I've got more books in this series. Hmm. Today is actually first pomegranate day, 2023, would be the, the last day in my third book, would be today. Uh, you know, September 29th, 2023. That's the last day of the last book, or the third book in the series. There's actually four books in the series, counting this first one. I'm going to go to the, spend more time at the home planet in the alien world with the people that were left behind and see what it's really like to live in this tiny world with no otherware. I'm also working on a prequel about how the Looking Up Ranch got started back in the Dust Bowl when a rich man blows his brains out after he loses all his money and his son inherits all that's left is this farm. It's totally undeveloped. And he doesn't know how to farm or anything, so he goes to the Hoover Town where all the displaced workers from Oklahoma and Arkansas are, are looking for work and living in squalor and picks out this wretched family and brings them home, and, and they make a farm together. So there's a whole prequel about that and the parents, the grandparents of this family. It's not. It's more of a period piece than a, than a sci-fi, though. There's no sci-fi in it. So it doesn't quite fit, but, you know, it's what it is. It's part of the series, and I'm not really uh, hung up on genre anyway. I'm just yeah. trying to write a good story. Yeah, it's fascinating. You know, many of us are eagerly awaiting the next books and the next chapters we've got coming out. Can you give us some, you know, and final comments, can you help us, the new artists out there, for aspiring writers who are looking to embark on their own writing journey? Give us some tips. Help us out a little bit because, again, that goes a long ways with engaging with you. I want people to... You know, after this show, engage with Janice. Follow up, talk to you, email you, stuff like that. So give us some tips for writers who are listening on their journey. Well, I don't have any social media, Hmm. um, except except my website, lookingup.us, and you can message me through there. There you go. Um, 
And that would be the best way to get a hold of me. If anyone wants to, you can get it on my mailing list to be notified when the next book comes out. And I promise I won't bombard you with newsletters either. <laughs> so obviously that's you're getting bombarded with newsletters, huh? You get newsletters left and right yourself? Well, that's what they're telling us to do in the author world now, to sell books. But I don't know if I agree with it, that you're supposed to get make a news. Uh, newsletter and a mailing list and get a million people, I don't know where they come from, to get on your mailing list and then you bug them with personal details every week or something until your new book comes out and by then they're probably unsubscribed. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. It really is. I mean, I learn a lot from doing this and, and following people and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, some of the authors out there, they love writing the book. They love putting that process together. They love getting their thoughts on paper. But the marketing of the book is, is daunting for people, you know. And, I, and again, it's just like, oh, you got to do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. So it's tough. But you got to hang in there. You're doing great stuff. You've got great work out there. And, again, you're, you're an inspiration to all of us who are in retirement doing what you do. You know, I said, when I got in retirement, too, I'm sitting there going, what am I going to do? So the podcast thing came along with that. I love speaking to people like yourself. You know, so we can share it stuff, get the word out there, stuff like that. So you're doing great things. You really are. Um, before we get to the final comment, tell us, kid, where do we go to get your wonderful book? You go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, Kindle, or any e-book retailer pretty much anyone you can think of. Uh, the subscription services have it also. Well, you can tune in to lookingup.us. Okay, let's find a comment. Uh, you made this possible for characters to feel unconditional empathy towards others, for others. Why was that? Have you done that on purpose? Why is that such a big part of what you do in writing your book and your book series and closing well, it's a very valuable tool, and it's rare these days. And like you said, we're not having a lot of trouble uh, getting along these days. But it's always been possible to feel empathy, and anyone can do it. But what stops us is when we confuse empathy with acquiescence or agreement. You can empathize with someone and still disagree with them. You don't even have to like them. But you just have to try to understand where they're coming from and gain some insight into why they say and do what they do. And if you still don't agree, you can do that peacefully. You don't have to hate them or fight them or try to force them to agree with you. It all boils back down to how I handled my aunt and uncle in Florida, where you don't have to really agree with them or force them to agree with you in order to, to accept them and even love them. Well said. You learned so much and sharing with us so much. Who we think you're sharing with us? Your great story, your great books, and your series. We're going to follow up with that. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us today. You have a wonderful weekend. Love to have you back on the other books coming out. We'll talk to you real soon, ma'am, okay? All right. I'd love to come back. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dennis. Bye bye. You know, we can do so much, even in retirement. So much, so much positivity we can do. So make sure you follow up with Janice. Make sure you get her book. Read her story. 
You know, like I said, how would you handle when both parents within two years pass away? You know, how would you handle that? Well, obviously, she's done a great things. Wonderful career. Now she's writing, putting out great books, you know, well, books in a series. It's going to be wonderful. So make sure you follow up with Janice and do that, okay? Uh, close our interview with Janice, our new book. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. We'll be back with more great conversations on Tuesday, but I want you to follow up with Janice. I want you to show her some love. She don't have the social media stuff, but go to her website, fill it out, and she'll contact you that way. That's how she does it, all right? So, again, like she said, because she don't do this, don't do that, doesn't mean it's not some great stuff. Okay, so, again, follow up with some emails, and she'll make sure she'll contact you. Engagement with all this stuff is so important. Yeah, we've got to engage, we've got to engage. She's got great stories she's got to tell. She's got great examples she wants to share with us. So make sure you do it. Do whatever you can. She does it by email. She does it through her website. So follow up with Janice. All right, let's close it up with some music for this Friday. again for listening everybody this friday has this last friday of the month last friday of the month we have a guest special guest on tuesday make sure you join us tuesday 10 a.m tempe arizona time it's going to be a great show we're getting october booked up real good so please make sure you follow us follow us follow us engagement for us is very important so make sure you do that we do put stuff on our brew crew in Amazon Fire TV. There's some changes in Roku, so we're going to work that out. So they're going from direct input to SDK, and i got to figure out what that all means. But I think I'm going to start hitting that this weekend. But we get exposures to our, our guests. We'll get them on Connect TV so they get some more exposures so they can move more bucks. Okay? We want Janice, and we want all our authors to move more books. So it's up to you. It's up to me. Okay, let's get creative. Let's help them out. This is what we do. Okay, so Roku, the Hollis Chapman Show, it's on there. Amazon Fire TV, Connect TV, Hollis Chapman Show, it's on there. And we put some great offers out there for you. They're not the whole 30 minutes on the channel. We're going 10 minutes segments, so there's a whole bunch of shows on there, though. I think we got a couple hundred shows on there. So you can just listen, 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 listen. What we want you to do, though, is like, oh, yes, I like Janice. And you follow up. Be researching. Go get Janice's stuff. Go to Janice's website. Order her book. So that's what we want. So we tease you with the TV stuff so you can follow up. Okay, guys, have a great weekend. Thanks for listening, as always. And I'll see you next time.